Hi, and welcome to the Book Talks podcast. It's a podcast where we interview traditionally and self-published authors. What's their story about? What inspired them? And what tips and advices they can give to aspiring writers and authors as well. My name is James, and today we will be talking to an author that we did talk already before uh, regarding his Eden Trilogy book, Eden Lost, Return to Eden, and Almost Eden. I'd like to welcome him back on our podcast, Mr. Richard Taylor. Mr. Taylor, how are you? I'm doing fine, James. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to doing this interview. That's I'm a little hoarse to today, but I'll try, to, I'll try to make it through. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll be talking about uh, this is something that is personal to you. This book is something that, that's personal to you for the sake of our uh, uh, potential book buyers and listeners of this podcast. The title of the book is Prodigals, A Vietnam Story. Okay. Um, tell us how did you come up with this story and what this uh, is this book about? Well, it's basically about my two tours of duty in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And uh, I, uh, I, I w- first tour, I was with a, uh, a Northern Republic of Re- Vietnam Battalion as a uh, assistant senior advisor. And we went on operations with them and uh, regularly. And then when the, the Tet Offensive uh, became close and everybody thought that it was going to be a, a time of peace and they left to go home for the uh, to celebrate uh, the, the holiday of Tet in Vietnam and uh, in, in the meantime I had one of my uh, Arvin officers picked up an AK-47 that we had discovered in, uh, in securing a town of Kai Bay and he fired it apparently accidentally uh, at a group of us standing around talking in the, in the front and oh. it, one of them clipped my, clipped my shoulder and uh, mm. knocked me down and they I got a, they took me on a helicopter to the air, to the uh, hospital at uh, Ben at uh, Ben Trey and so I was in the hospital there for several days and when I got out, I was in a room in the hot in the, the uh, what we call the seminary. It was the headquarters for the uh, advisory team, the major advisory team, the Seventh Division. And uh, during the night, one night, I still had the stitches in my shoulder, and I was supposed to go get them out on the 31st of January. <laughs> oh. And suddenly, a rocket came through my. Uh, the window of, I mean, not the window, but the wall of the building I was staying in and shattered everything. And I, I just jumped out of bed and, and crawled under the bed. And then I, I I got up a little bit later when things had calmed down. I looked around and everybody was standing guard at the uh, around the building with their weapons in hand. And I didn't have a weapon because <laughs> mine had been uh, left behind when I went to the hospital. So I was kind of lost, and I, I climbed out and said, what's going on? And they said, well, uh, the Vietnamese are attacking Mito, the town that we were in. And I said, my goodness, I'm supposed to go to over to the hospital and have my stitches taken out today. And they said, mm-hmm. you won't be going that way. <laughs> exactly. so you'll be staying here for a while. Uh-huh. So I, I, I went around, and I found a, uh, 
I found a rifle in the corner for somebody. I don't know if somebody was gone somewhere else and left their rifle there. I found a rifle and scavenged up some uh, little, little bit of a, a pistol belt and to hold a uh, hold some ammunition and a canteen. And I put those on and uh, was standing around and and I heard that my uh, that our our sergeant, our master sergeant, was at the uh, at the old fish uh, fish place where they made made the fish soup with the, with his with the Arvin Battalion. What I didn't know was that the Arvin Battalion was down from uh, 500 and something to 126, <laughs> and they had wow. one advisor. They had one advisor there, and I said, "Well." I went over to went to the radio room and said I need to be in touch with uh, Sergeant Mendenhall, and uh, so they got him on the line. And he, I said, where are you? He said, I'm at the fish at the fish place. He said, we're starting to move. We're going into Mito, and I said, how are you going? He said, we're going to walk right up that road. It goes right by the seminary. And I said, well, I'll meet you out. I'll meet you at the seminary. <laughs> so I picked up my stuff and started for the gate. And they said, you can't go out there. And I said, I'm going out there. <laughs> so you can't stop me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the battalion came marching up the road, the few of them that there were, and Sergeant Mendenhall. And uh, he said, boy, am I glad to see you. <laughs> and the uh, mm-hmm. Vietnamese captain, he was the deputy of the uh, battalion, he said, I'm, we're, glad to, we're glad you're here. So we walked, up, walked into town. Uh, Torchtown until we started getting return fire that was really heavy and had to drop on the ground. And uh, we, we kept trying to get closer out. And I realized that I had on a one of those old army shirts that has all the uh, patches and things sewn on the outside. They're not camouflaged mm-hmm. at all. Uh-huh. And uh, I said, holy mackerel, I gotta, I've got to do something about that. And I turned my shirt inside out and put, put it on the other way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get we moved a little bit closer, and we we couldn't get into town uh, because the, the fire was too heavy. So we stopped at this one house, and I uh, used it as a base of operation, and d- dug little uh, trenches to to get into. Sergeant Mendenhall got in, could, dug one out that we could lie into, and we were under, we were below the surface of the ground. And we didn't we didn't know we were going to be there for several days. We ended up. There for several days, and I had I directed some uh, machine gun fire from the from the seminary down the road to because we we got information that there was a uh, an attack coming across that road, and uh, that held off the attack for a while. Then that night, uh, we got a call. I got a call for more fire support. I got a call that the Mobile Riverine Force was out on the on the river. And they would be able to fire mortars in support of us. And I said, "That's great." They said, "Where do you want them?" And I said, <laughs> "I said anywhere. <laughs> Just start firing." And they started uh-huh. firing them. Uh-huh. And they, were, they, they were short of us, mm-hmm. but they were firing uh, firing mortars. And, and that they got they fired for quite a while. And then they finally said, "Well, uh, we're out of ammunition. We're going to have to go back to the base." And I said, "Okay, boy, we you sure did a good job. We appreciate it." And uh, we stayed there in uh, in that little hole until the Ninth Division came ashore. From they got off got off boats in the river and marched into started marching into Mito, and they came into where we were. And 
kind of gave us some support till we could we could get out of there. And that was basically the Tet Offensive was the main part of the story in my first book. I mean, I stayed on. I was there for a while longer with the advisory team, but after Tet, they I was moved up to uh, work as G as a G three advisor. Uh, working a 24-hour shift because you'd, you'd go in and you'd work 24 hours straight and then you'd you'd be relieved and you'd go back to the seminary and you'd have two days off. You'd have one day to rest mm-hmm. and sleep and the next, next day to uh, get up on the roof and get some mm-hmm. sunshine and drink beer and listen to mm-hmm. uh, uh, that radio station. <laughs> what was mm-hmm. it? Good morning, Vietnam. Good, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Listen now on the radio, mm-hmm. and uh, so, so that was basically my my first tour. Uh, and then I, I came home, and I kept the journal while I was there. Mm-hmm. And I took the journal took the journal home with me. I didn't know what to do with it, but I let I kept it. I said, "Well, this is history, so I'll, I'll keep it." Mm-hmm. And uh, we operated. Uh, Battalion operated sometimes alone, but sometimes with other other battalions. But it, anyway, my, I, w- I came home after my first tour. Uh, I was promoted to captain while I was working in the G3 shop, and I uh, kept that journal. But when I when I left, when I got ready to leave, uh, I went to the airport to get on a plane to take me out, take me home, mm-hmm. and it, they opened up my uh, carry-on bag and found my journal in there. And it was written in one of these big green, uh, green journal notebooks that the mm-hmm. army army uses, like a like accounting notebooks and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they said, "Well, you you can't take that with you." And I said, "I've got to take it with me. That's my history." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, it, well, you have to leave it here if you want to get on that airplane." And I said, "I want to get on the airplane, and I don't want to leave it." And they said, "Well, you're going to have to to get miss the airplane and go talk to somebody up in uh, security." And I, and I said, you may be here for two or three days. I said, oh, no, that's not going to I mean, work. That's your personal <laughs> stuff, but why Why my do they want to yeah. keep it? It was my personal stuff, but it was in a, an Army journal. Oh. Written in an Army journal. Okay, so they kept okay. it. So I didn't, I didn't, I went home with, I finally said, well, I'm going home. I'm not going to stay here any longer. So I got on the plane mm-hmm. and flew home. And, uh, while I was there, I had orders to go. I'd been trying to go to ranger school for a long time, so I had orders to go to ranger school. So I went. It was winter time. And I went through. Uh, I went from very hot climate in Vietnam to going to ranger school in the winter, where it was cold as all get out, wow. snow and everything else. Uh-huh. And my, my feet were uh, softened, really softened, because of walking around in the swamps and the rice paddies and. Uh, the uh, plain of reeds, so my feet were soft and and uh, not very not very capable of withstanding uh, cold temperatures. So, but I went to ranger school. I went through the went through the regular uh, Fort Benning camp. Then we went to the mountains. I did all right in the mountains. It was snowing up there, but I did, you had to wear Mickey Mouse shoes and that, those rubber boots things to keep your feet warm. Not so I made it through that just fine. And then the next phase was the uh, Florida Florida school. So we had to go to Florida for the jungle training. And uh, I thought, well, that'll be fine because it's warm in Florida. Well, we got into Florida and it was kind of chilly. 
uh, and we went. I went out on a patrol. Uh, to, in fact, it was my my last patrol, I think, and my feet were my boots were soaking wet from walking in the swamp. And uh, they had a snap freeze that night that froze everything. And we, got, we finished our. We had to lay an ambush, and uh, we couldn't have a fire or anything like that. So I had to. I had to lay an ambush in my feet. I got up to walk, and I had ice on my around my boots, and I had to stump them to get them out, and it hurt like the devil. But I, I wow. got back, and they they made me take off my boots and my socks, and said, "You got frostbite. Mm-hmm. You got to go into the hospital." I said, I don't want to go. They said, you're going. So they, they sent me back to the hospital. And uh, I got in there, and everybody was, I mean, all the doctors were curious because they'd never seen frostbite before, so they kept trooping into the room to look at my feet and see, see what frostbite looked like. Mm-hmm. And after I'd been there for a couple of days, uh, another uh, another ranger staff member, he, he was a patrol evaluator, and I, I knew him. We'd gone to the advanced course together. He came to my room and he said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I think I'm doing okay, but my feet hurt like the devil. And he said, well, I've got, I've got some news for you. He said, you can either you can stay here and recover and we'll recycle you and you can start all over with the Florida phase uh, after, after the uh, winter break. I said, that doesn't sound too good to start all over. And he said, or you can get out of here and come with me right now and go on. You just got one last patrol to go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you don't go on that patrol, you don't graduate. So I, I pulled the IV out of my arm and, and said, go get my boots out of that closet. Mm-hmm. You got my clothes and my boots, and I walked out of the hospital without checking wow. out or anything. And I, we went back out, and I had I went on the, the patrol. It was a painful operation. My feet hurt like the devil. And... Uh, I made it. I made it through, and I got my ranger tab. And uh, but I, I ended up. Uh, I've had foot trouble ever since then. I still do today uh, with what happened to my feet, especially in that that operation, both both in Vietnam and in ranger school. After that, I went to the uh, advanced course, and that's where I met a, a lady who was uh, a next door neighbor, and uh, she would she'd come home in her old Volkswagen wearing her lab tech uniform, her white lab tech uniform, and I found myself, I knew what time she'd get home, I found myself going to the window and, and looking out every time I knew she was coming home. So I, Okay. <laughs> I, I finally went over and knocked on the door and asked her to go out, and she said, no, I'm not dating anybody. Oh. And uh, I asked her three times to go out. And I finally I said, well, I've got reservations at this really nice restaurant down in Columbus. I said, let's... Mm-hmm. I'll take you down there. And she said, oh, okay. <laughs> Come back in now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I came back and picked her up. And we, had a, we had a great meal and we talked. And uh, I embarrassed myself probably several times. But we ended up uh, we ended up getting married while I was there. Wow. And just, just before I had orders to go back to, I had volunteered and I had orders to go back to Vietnam. So I, That was your second tour. I That's did, supposedly your second tour. On the second tour, yeah, with, mm-hmm. I, I asked to go to a, to a U.S. unit, and as soon as I got to Vietnam, I said I want to go to the I want to go to the first cab, mm-hmm. because while I was while I was working, I was back in the states. I kept asking everybody, you know, about what what unit did you serve in, mm-hmm. what unit did you serve in, and and everybody I talked to from the cab said, mm-hmm. cab is great. We got lots of helicopters and we got lots of fire support, and 
you can't be it. Uh-huh. <laughs> was, we didn't have any of that in, when uh-huh. I was with the Arvin, so that sounds pretty uh-huh. good to me. So exactly. I demanded to go to the first cab, and I got orders to the first and seventh cab. They were just coming out of uh, out of a Cambodian incursion, uh, where they, the American forces went across to dissect the Ho Chi Minh Trail and, and uh, destroy a lot of the uh, supply sites over there. So the battalion was just coming out, mm-hmm. and uh, they had taken high casualties, and the morale was low. And uh, that night, uh, I, I, they told me that the uh, personnel officer said, "You got to go talk to the to the uh, battalion commander," because I, I told mm-hmm. him I wanted a company command. He said, "We don't have any companies to command, but you you go talk to the battalion commander tonight." Mm-hmm. So I went over that mm-hmm. that night, and he said. You're getting headquarters company. And I said, I don't want headquarters company. <laughs> I, want mm-hmm. a ri- I want a rifle company. Uh-huh. And he said, nope, you're, good. you're going to headquarters company. And uh, if we got back in uh, B Company, there was an altercation in B Company where some guys had attacked the company commander. And one of them knocked him down, hit him with a fist, knocked him down. And they had all kind of things going on. They were shooting into the shooting into the battalion area and, and uh Running out and getting hiding on the bunker, so it was it was a mess. And uh, the S two said, "Well, you still want to you still want a company?" And I said, uh-huh. "Yeah, okay. I want a company." So he said, "Well, battalion commander wants to see you again. He wants you back over to his office." So he, I went into his office and he said, "You stand here. I'm doing an investigation of what was going on." So he called he called soldiers in. He called the officers in. He called everybody in and talked to them. And uh, when he when he he left and uh, nothing was said, mm-hmm. the next morning uh, we had to go out on the uh, parade field to, to uh, change to a change of command. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was going to ha- hand me the flag for headquarters company, but he handed me the flag for a Bravo company. And I said, "Holy mackerel! <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the company mm-hmm. that you had a big fight last night." Uh-huh. So the the, the S two said, "Yeah, he relieved the uh, company commander." And uh, he decided to give you the company, uh-huh. see what you can do with it. And so uh-huh. uh, it was it, it was scary at first because I didn't know what to expect. But we went out on operations the very next day. He said he said you're going out you're going out to the field. So I took the company out to the field, and we had a we had a success very successful operation, which I won't go into detail on that. But uh, then after we came back in, we started going on more and more operations and and. Uh, Things started looking good, so I was mm-hmm. enjoying my second tour as a company commander. Uh-huh. I mean, with with your experience, I like the fact that uh, um, there's lots of, of of stories that have been told about Vietnam War and basically their experience. But it's a different level of a more personalized story. If the person who's telling the story, um, like like an author. Uh, is basically has has witnessed um, the, the experience it firsthand, just like you, right? Um, with 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 the uh, with the book. I mean, I think when I when I'm going over your 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 story, uh, I think it's a deeply moving and uh, a, a poignant account of the Vietnam War experience. Um, you you've made a very compelling narrative. Uh, that took readers on a gripping journey 
through the lives of these young soldiers, right? I mean, exploring a, a profound impact of war on their identities, relationship, and the very fabric of their existence. I think uh, uh, your storytelling, Mr. Taylor, is, is masterful. You know, you've weaved together like multiple narrative threads and uh, perspectives to basically provide a comprehensive view of the war. You know, uh, uh, on a personal note, uh, I'm 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 uh, I'm 35 years old, and and when I whenever I'm being asked, you have an idea of what the Vietnam War is. Um, what I would always recall during our history classes and all that, and I, I think it's better for me to ask you this: um, Why did Vietnam War happen in the first place, and what basically was the role of the U.S. to that war? Well, my understanding is that, and I think I've read a lot about this too, mm-hmm. is that the French, the French were in Vietnam, and they were not they were not doing well. They were getting a lot mm-hmm. of pressure to, to bring the troops back home, and uh, they they went into uh, I, forget, I can't remember the name of the operation now, uh, but anyway, they went into this, to this operation and were ambushed by the VC and and almost totally wiped out their forces and uh, since, since France had been a World War II ally of the United States uh, President Eisenhower wanted to wanted to send some support over there and he did he started he started sending some American troops to relieve the French and uh, by that time uh, the VC had taken a very strong hold and the Americans had, you know, of course, it's a slow build-up, so they had to start building up, building up the troops based on uh, where to go. We had we had an American ambassador over there in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and and uh, he was advising, you know, what we needed to do. But we we sent the troops over, and uh, Marines first, I think, were first ones there, and then mm-hmm. the, the army the army started going over. Mm-hmm. And the first CAD division, the Mayo division, was formed to have a, a, a more mobile operational ability with the helicopters. So they were they started off at uh, Fort Benning, training on uh, the use of helicopters and how to how to do uh, mobile air airstrikes and and uh, m- mobile movements of troops around in Vietnam. And uh, so and then they they deployed uh, up up in the north somewhere, Cameron Bay, I think, and uh, started operating out of there. And it was still it was still a pretty small war. I mean, we weren't really heavily involved until uh, the, the troops, the 1st and 7th Cav, as a matter of fact, went into the Idring Valley with uh, uh, to, to to take to take on where they, there was some VC that were uh, known to be building up there. Mm-hmm. They went into the Idrine Valley and ran into a whole lot of uh, VC, and they had to had to circle up and defend themselves for uh, for then on. Mm-hmm. And it was it was life or death, and uh, it was mm-hmm. there was a lot of a lot of them died. I had one man that I knew very well mm-hmm. uh, who was wounded twice there, and wow. uh, he was a sergeant, mm-hmm. and uh, flew back. He was taken back to the United States, and we got acquainted later. And uh, that that then started 
what was called so it became that that's what they say that made it America's war because America mm-hmm. had really gotten mm-hmm. involved and a unit came in to relieve the first and seventh and they were marching out to uh to to take on the VC and they were caught in an ambush and they lost it LZ Albany and they lost a lot of troops so then it was after all that after that it was called America's war it's not the French war anymore it was America's mm-hmm. yeah. war yeah, and so the build up build up hastened, and we started to uh, get larger and larger, and uh, that that's I mean, kind of how it came about. That's that's uh, I like that explanation because it's it's uh, the mo- uh, I think uh, a raw explanation of a person who had witnesses firsthand is 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 uh, uh, uncomparable to you know stories that you will see on movies. Uh, um, and uh, I mean, another strength I think of of the book is basically your exploration of the, like the you know the moral dilemma faced by, by when when you were uh, I mean when you were in that situation I think you've delved into like uh, the ethical gray areas of war uh, if I may call it that way I mean you've like presented like thought provoking scenarios that basically uh, you know challenges readers to reflect on the human cost of conflict and the profound you know consequences of the choices made in extreme circumstances uh, i mean um with with uh with this kind of story uh i mean what do you hope for for the audience at the end of reading the book i mean what do you hope for aside from sharing your story well i i would hope they would uh get an idea of how, how personal it becomes. Because I, when I went over there, I went, I went as, a, as a military officer, young military officer, and I wanted, mm-hmm. to, uh, I wanted, I wanted to go over there for, to enhance my career. I figured, I figured if there was a war going on and you weren't over there, you weren't doing your job. Mm-hmm. But when I got there and I was assigned to, uh, at first I was really upset that I was assigned to an, an Arvin battalion because I wanted to, to, uh, to go to a U.S. battalion. Mm-hmm. My first tour was with the Vietnamese battalion, mm-hmm. but I found I, I found I grew very close to those Vietnamese. I had some very close friends mm-hmm. who were Vietnamese, and uh, and I, and we had some of them died, mm-hmm. and uh, some didn't. And but it was a very painful problem. And I said I got very close to them, and I found that it's it's great to to, to pass on that the feelings you get about mm-hmm. that. And then in my my second tour, I, I did get a U.S. unit, and I found the same thing. You know, you got very you got very close to the to the troops, to the Americans, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, as you got to understand the enemy more, you mm-hmm. you you had a great deal of respect for the enemy because they just kept on they kept on coming. They never stopped coming, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the troops, the American troops, would were gradually getting. Uh, towards the end, they were starting the withdrawal. As a matter of fact, and uh, so there were people going home, and we were getting uh, some people weren't qualified to go home. They hadn't been there long enough, and so they had to, they were being transferred to other units. So we were getting a lot of people uh, from other units who uh, didn't get to go home. They were coming into a brand new unit. They used to doing things a different way. And uh, so they they had morale problems, and we had some. I had some trouble dealing with that from time to time. But but you but you do get close to them, and you understand 
how they're feeling and what they're thinking. And uh, so, it, it, for me, the book was on is written on a very personal level. Yeah, it uh, is. It's my feelings and it's the feelings I have for yeah. the other people who are over there serving. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, 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 mean, I would hope that people who read the book would get would get an, an idea of what it's like to be there and mm-hmm. to uh, and to and to feel what we felt. In fact, mm-hmm. my, when the book was. Uh, the manuscript was submitted to the Pike Peace Writers Conference and was was a winner of an award yes. there. Yeah. yeah. One of the one of the writers one of the writers said it, the way it was written, I felt like I was walking right behind him everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. So I said that's exactly what I would like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the reader what, was walking right behind right behind me. Yeah, I, I think what basically, uh, I, I mean, among the things that you've uh, mentioned, uh, uh, I think what makes this story kind of stand out to me on a personal level is that um, this is basically, you, you've kept a journal out of your first tour. And th- that's basically, uh, you know, when you're in line to go home, you're, this was, uh, again, as you discussed earlier, your journal was confiscated as a government property. Uh, but this was your your history, and you were devastated. And years later, uh, as you were sorting you, through your useful junk, uh, as you said on on the on the on the uh, description here, uh, from from throwaway junk prior to another army move, uh, you found a shoebox again, and and uh, and look inside and find letters and in envelopes, and uh, uh, you had written to uh, uh, Sandy. Uh, uh, and uh, this enabled you to reconstruct your journal since uh, you wrote that, and that would enable you to to start writing this book, Prodigals, a, a Vietnam uh, uh, story. And that's basically also what interests me is that you said here a pathway to confront and conquer my PTSD. I mean, how was that like, and um, how were you able to 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 conquer? that kind of, so to speak, uh, uh, demon uh, um, out of that spoils of war? Well, I, I, when, I found the, when I found the shoebox and opened it up and found the letters were in there, it, it was a real shock. I mean, it was like it was like they jumped out at me and said, mm-hmm. we're here, we're free. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I put them together. I, I had PTSD, PTSD from, from both tours in Vietnam. And I thought, well, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have it as serious as a lot of people have, but I had it. And I thought, well, I can confront PTSD by writing about it mm-hmm. and writing about what happened and writing about what was going on in the Vietnam War. And so I, I started writing it. I was I was working out of town. I was working up in uh, Greenville. My, my family was living here in uh, Atlanta. And I uh, I was I was going up every week and spending the whole week up there in a little apartment building that my company was paying for, and I didn't have anything to do, so I started taking all these notes and things and letters and journals and all up there and started writing at night. I'd I'd write on a, write a chapter, and I would cry and I would drink some more bourbon and I'd cry some more. So I was I was trying to conquer that PTSD. And uh, so I wanted to, uh, I, fi- mm-hmm. I finally put it together. It was almost together. 
and I was ready to to send it out to a uh, uh, see if I could get a publisher to publish it. And I I said, well, I I can't. Sandy didn't know anything about my writing this book. She she knew nothing that it was happening at all. So I invited her. To, I, I convinced her that we ought to go on a vacation up to our favorite lake. We got to get a cabin in our at our favorite lake up in North Georgia. And uh, I was going out. I was going to leave and go to the Apple Festival, and she didn't sound too excited about it. So I said, "Well, you're staying here anyway, and because you got some work to do." And I lay the whole manuscript. I had it in a big three-ring binder, and I lay it on the table in front of her. And she looked at me and her, like, "What in the world are you doing to me?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was go- I was gone for several hours, and I came back. And uh, she was sitting at the table still, and she looked up, stared at me for a minute, and she said, this is good. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And she's, she's a very critical editor mm-hmm. anyway, and so that mm-hmm. was that was high appraisal. Mm-hmm. So she helped me polish it a little bit, and uh, I sent out to uh, a publisher uh, where Eric Hamill is the accepting editor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric, was, uh, Eric has published 50 of his own military books. And he had very high comments about it, and so they, they published it, and uh, that's how it it saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's and, the reason why it it it, it you know uh, um, y- your your books have been recognized, right? I mean, uh, through yeah. uh, uh, the, uh, you, you did mention earlier, and I forgot that. Um, uh, what was that uh, particular recognition again? Like the, well, the military was, was a, book. When uh-huh. I, Pikes Peak Writers Conference. That was that was a manuscript before yep. it was published, mm-hmm. and after it was published, it was a uh, featured selection of the Military Book Club. Military Book so, Club. That's just the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it had two. It had two. Uh, two awards, really. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know uh, uh, if you feel it this way or the same way, but uh, your book can actually be somewhat like on a, on a, on a movie uh, screen. Uh, have you thought of that? Uh, and uh, you know, I think the first steps here is to to t- turn the 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 manuscript into an actual script. Um, yeah, that could happen. We've uh, it, it's not a print. The Casemate was published published it initially, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, Casemate had worked it a long time. At the place I got to know the guy who owns the place pretty well. He helped me through a few struggles. And uh, they 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 ran it for a while, and uh, it, then it went out of print. But there were some copies available on Amazon. It's getting very low. There's very low number of them out there now. But you are Link wants to republish it. In fact, we've gotten approval from Casemate to republish it, and uh, they're going to send us the uh, complete manuscript. And uh, because it would it would be impossible to take my original manuscript and. Uh, and publish it because it doesn't have all the maps and phone and uh, sketches and everything else with it. So they're going to send us the complete manuscript, and UR Link is going to republish it. And they they do a pretty good job of marketing, so they they'll, yeah. um, they'll market it. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, hopefully somebody will pick it up. Uh, it, well, that that's ultimately the goal, and 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 I think with a guy, your guy, uh, Mr. Red McGuire, I think you're in a, in, in good hands. In, in addressing and sorting those uh, types of uh, advertising campaigns that will only boost the exposure 
uh, of the book and basically to gain traction. I mean, um, your y- your story is, uh, to say the least, is is one of a kind because it's something personal to you. I mean, uh, when I was glancing through each of the scenarios that you've been through during uh, 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 this this uh, uh, era in your life. Um, I keep telling myself that y- you can't make up these kinds of stories, not unless you've been in this situation. So I think that's that's one of the re- one of the reasons why uh, uh, the book stands out. Um, and and uh, the, basically the, the the book as well, uh, I think it addresses lasting impact on of war on soldiers' identities and relationship. Um, I don't want to go back to this question, but I I just would want to reiterate. Uh, uh, can you can you basically elaborate on, on on the psychological and emotional aspect you sought to convey in 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 this book? Because I could only imagine your emotion. You told me earlier that when when you found these uh, journals on the shoebox, it it jumped back in to you. I could only imagine the emotion that you've been through. When you found the, the the shoebox that has the journals on it, yeah, that that was a real. It was a shocker to me, and I was I was so happy to, to find it. Mm-hmm. And I, Sandy didn't understand the significance of that. I mean, you know, she, <laughs> she mm-hmm. just she just got the letters, she put the letters in a box because she didn't know what to mm-hmm. do with them, so she put them in a shoebox mm-hmm. and uh, saved them. And it was it came as a uh, shock. It was like a snake bite. You know, it just jumped out at me. And uh, it brought back with it, of course, it brought a lot of emotions and uh, things that I had kind of forgotten about or pushed aside in my mind when my journal was destroyed or kept. And uh, so the, the letters were a, a savior to me. And uh, fortunately, uh, after we got it written, she she enjoyed it and was, was happy to do it. But it, it, there was a lot of emotion involved in uh in both of these assignments, both with the Viet- with the Vietnamese and with the American, there were different different emotions, different situations. Uh, but the, the the war was changing. The war was going through a different phase. It started with Tet. Everything was moving in one direction until Tet happened, and then after Tet, it it changed. It changed the Arvin. It changed the Americans. And so by the time I'd spent about a year and a half or two years in the States and went back to Vietnam. It was, it was a pretty different situation. So I had to get used to a different situation with people who had different attitudes uh, about the war. And uh, I, wasn't a big, I wasn't a big fan of the war. I thought it would mm-hmm. be better to, to get it over with and, and get our troops out of there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want didn't to just leave... Uh, Leave the the Viet Vietnamese in charge, and that mm-hmm. basically that's that's what happened at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, at the end of the war, the emotions were were very strong. When I, we would sit there and watch the uh, the NVA uh, coming down the coming down the country, just riding right down Highway Four and right down the, the taking over every city as they went, and uh, right on into Saigon until they took over Saigon. Mm-hmm. That was very that was a very strong emotional experience mm-hmm. for me, and I know it was for others who had to watch that after we mm-hmm. we'd given our time and our blood over there to the in that country. Even though 
the war wasn't a, a big favorite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it, um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It had a strong impact on me, and I hope it'll hope it would impact the reader as well. I think yeah, you know, I I, I would agree because because basically, um, when uh when these kinds of stories are being told firsthand. You know, by 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 a, a person, writer, an author, or a storyteller, uh, firsthand information. I mean, it, it can it, it it's it, it can. Uh, um, I think the word I'm looking for is that it's authentic. You know, and again, you can't make this up. Not unless you've been in, into into the situation. And uh, I mean, I applaud you for telling your story. I think it's the way to go forward because it basically reinforces uh putting emotion because basically it's it's a it's a it's it's a bad context whenever uh, I mean no war is a great story not unless stories are told by those people who've been into those situations and I think again uh there's a reason why your book has been recognized uh, 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 by the military book club, I, I think it, it's. Uh, I, um, I think as as we conclude this conversation, Mister Taylor, um, I keep on telling first hand information, and rightfully so, right? I mean, have you done uh, aside from, uh, 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 basically, you know, it, it, your your book basically showcases the, the bond between soldiers. And the sense of camaraderie forged in in challenging circumstances. Um, how did you like uh, uh, capture in you know to put it all in 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 the book? How did you capture the 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 dynamics of these relationships and resilience? Because um, basically, it should be a conscious effort, right? To to put all of these in words. And um, I guess my question is that. Uh, uh, did you have you done uh, uh, an added research, or I, I know this is a memoir, but um, did, did you did you I mean how did you recall telling these stories, especially with those people that you've been with uh, during this time? Yes, well, I I, I did, and I, I stayed in contact with a few few people, but and but I I, I did research in a. There are a number of books that I, I read to see see how they were covering uh, events, particularly the Tet Offensive, and uh, I also got I got a book called uh, Vietnam News Day by Day. So every day it had a you know, report of what happened in Vietnam that day, and I, I used those sometimes sometimes as headings for uh, each chapter and uh, to. To, to get the reader to let the reader know what is going on at, over over in the country day by day from the news perspective, but it was uh, I was more interested uh, than anything in not not how we went to war or why we went to war. I was interested more in how the people who were there were feeling about what they were doing and how right. they were how they were right. they were taking it on and uh, and making making it. Uh, Making it a mission for their day. Now a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of troops. It was it was one one step at a time. You know they they mm-hmm. take, it was a markdown calendar. Every day, they kept a calendar for their year. Every day they would mark off another day, and so it was every time they took mm-hmm. 
took a step into the jungle. It was hopefully to to um, be able to take another step off, a check off the calendar, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and survive and survive mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's 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 tough if you think about it, and uh, uh, that's why I think I, I would agree that uh, um, the, you know there should be people like you who should be telling the story uh, because uh, it it deserves you know the 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 people uh, behind. Uh, I mean, the it's it's not easy to be. Uh, I I I would. I don't have any credibility to tell you if it's easy or not, but I, I mean, it, I'm, I'm certainly, uh, 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 I'm, I'm certain that it's, it's never been easy for you. It's not, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, as, as we conclude this conversation, um, tell us, uh, uh, basically like points or, or, or things that you would want to impart with your audience after they have done reading the book? Well, I, I, uh, I want them to, to feel like they can read the book and uh, get a soft, a safe taste of what it's like in war mm-hmm. and what the troops are going through. And then they can appreciate the soldiers and what they endure on the yeah. battlefield. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's, that's basically the bottom line. I mean, I'm, I'm at peace yeah. with myself now. I had some... I had some bad times over there, and mm-hmm. uh, some bad times after I came home. But mm-hmm. I am—I'm at peace with myself, and uh, I've been married now for 52 years to the same woman. <laughs> wow! And we're we're both struggling to keep, day by day. But this is part of part of our history because she—it was part of her history as well. And uh, so we're we we keep it is keep it. Between us is a part of what we've been through together, and uh, I hope that other people can get a safe taste of it, well, and uh, then appreciate what we go through. Um, Memorial Day has just gone by, like a, a few weeks ago, and uh, um, thank you for your service. I mean, not only uh, I think you are a a a classic description. Uh, I mean, being married for fifty-two years—that's that's definitely an achievement, and more so, telling the story. Uh, I mean, the, I think that's perfect, uh, short but sweet description. Uh, readers can go on to to have a taste of what uh, the war has been like and what those people uh, 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 in 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 you know that's been involved in this. And I mean, that's because uh, because I think. You, your story is one of those many success stories. I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, uh, um, uh, the mo- one of the most popular theater uh, 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 ever made, which is uh, Miss Saigon. Uh, and that's basically came from that. I think uh, Miss Saigon would not be conceptualized uh, um, um, if, if not for, uh, uh, for the for Vietnam War, uh, Les Miserables, I think. And and uh, um, I thank you so much for your time, Mr. Taylor. I, I look forward in talking to you more uh, regarding uh, the other books because um, I think I think you still have another book aside from the Eden trilogy and uh, uh, um, Prodigals, right? Homeward Bound. Yes, Homeward that's, Bound. That, that's the one. Uh, um, I would look forward in talking to you regarding that one too, and. Uh, um, 
I appreciate you and uh, thank you for your service for for what you've done for the country and uh, I think you 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 you're the kind of person that's basically uh, um, keep inspiring writers um, uh, please do invite everyone to grab a copy of prodigals a Vietnam story Thank you, James. I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed talking with you, and I, I agree. I hope people will pick it up and uh, and read it because it's uh, it, it's a, it's a great account, and it uh, came about through a lot of pain and suffering. But it's yeah. it's there, and it's there for people to pick up and read. Well, on that note, thank you so much for your time, Mr. Taylor. I I look forward in talking to you again. Uh, uh, and uh, take it easy. Uh, be safe. I know that you just got into a, a, a little accident. Uh, uh, you, you did. You, you told me earlier. And uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I look forward in talking to you again. Okay. Thank you, James. Have a great one.